You're listening to the Online Tutor Business Podcast, where I help tutors get found, hired, and referred. Episode number 44. Now today, you're going to get to hear the script flipped. Typically, I interview people, but today, you're going to get to hear an interview where I share my tutoring journey and what that was like and what it's like as an online tutor and how I actually help other tutors. I was live on a radio show called The World of Work, and the host of that show is Shep Cohen. So here's a little clip for you to be able to hear my journey. Hi, I'm Joanne Kaminsky, and with 10 years experience tutoring online, I've made over a half a million dollars. And today, I help other tutors get similar results or better. In this podcast, you're going to be inspired by other tutors stepping into this journey and getting results. You'll learn strategies you can apply to your business, stop feeling alone in the process, and make more money so that you can feel amazing every time you have an aha moment with one of your students. This is the Online Tutor Business Podcast. And this is the World of Work, and I'm your host, Shep Cohen. Our guest today is Joanne Kaminsky, and she's an online reading tutor. And her goal is to close the reading gap in this country. After becoming a reading specialist and coaching teachers all over the country on their reading instruction techniques, she was on top of the world as she rose fast in the education field. After a few years, though, she became frustrated because she was focusing her attention on classroom management rather than the best techniques for teaching reading. An illness brought her out of public school system, but it gave her the opportunity to follow her dream and to teach online. And today she teaches through tutoring students all over the world and helps other tutors improve their techniques. Joanne Kaminsky, welcome to the World of Work. Thank you for being with us today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's a pleasure to uh, to be here. And I talked about the reading gap. Uh, uh, what is that? Reading gap is we have this expectation that kids read on grade level. And when they're reading below grade level, we say that there's a gap in their reading. And what got you uh, interested initially in becoming a teacher? You know, I started going to law school and uh, I joined a club called Mock Trial. And I realized that it just didn't really fit my personality to be a lawyer. And I had to rethink my entire strategy of, okay, what do I want to do while I was in college? You know, because now's the time to try to figure it out. And You know, my mom always told me I was good with kids. And so then I went into the world of teaching and uh, I changed my my career path pretty early on in college. And from there, I really started becoming fascinated with teaching kids to read. And what what is the fascination? I mean, it's 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 a very interesting whole the whole process that you you don't know how to read then you do know how to read and yeah then you know how to read better uh you know what is it feels like it just happens doesn't it <laughs> yes that's the way it was with my children all of a sudden they were reading yeah and unfortunately for 20 percent of our kids in um in our school systems on average that's not the case in fact i was one of those kids that struggled with reading as a kid and so my fascination with reading became the fact i had struggled with reading 
And I wanted to know everything that I could do so that when I did step into the classroom and became an elementary school teacher, I would know how to help these kids that were, were struggling with reading. And, um, and, and through that path, I ended up working at a school where actually only 30% of the students at our school were reading on grade level and 70% of our kids were reading below grade level. And so I was really immersed in this whole world of kids not knowing how to read and knowing how important that is for the rest of your education, I began diving deeper and deeper and learning absolutely everything that I could about it. I understood, and I did this with my children, I don't know if I was right or wrong, but uh, reading, to the, reading to someone when they're you know, younger and they can't read themselves helps them with their reading. It absolutely does. Why, why um, is that? Because they're getting to hear language, they're getting to hear the words that you use. A lot of words that you use inside of books we don't use in our everyday speaking language. So you're increasing their vocabulary, which is helping them to become more successful in school. Um, But also when they're hearing language inside of books, they're hearing proper grammar also that's being spoken to them. And when we're talking to them, we don't always speak with with proper grammar. So they're getting to understand like how books work. They they start looking at, okay, so our our language is read from left to right. Um, The pictures that are in the book, they should match what the, the words are. And they start realizing, wait, if I don't know a word, I could probably look at that picture. Maybe there's some clues in there that could help me. Um, they start learning some of these early things. They learn things like how to rhyme. We read, you know, maybe we read, um, right, you know, uh, the nursery rhymes to them, right? When they're little and we have these, these little sayings that we have, you know, when this little piggy went to the market, right? We, we, we say these fun things to our kids and this is actually helping them develop their reading skills. Um, but the unfortunate thing there's two unfortunate things. You can still read to a child every single day and have a kid that struggles with reading. And we know this to be true because of our dyslexic uh, students that are out there. And the other thing that can happen is a lot of, of parents aren't reading to their kids at home uh, as much as they, they used to. How do you help someone who's dyslexic uh, learn to read or, or read better yeah. than their, yeah. That's a great question. So it it all starts from the very, very beginning. Um, There are skills, their brains are wired just a little bit differently. So a lot of them will struggle with what we call phonological awareness. And this is being able to um, just hear sounds properly and be able to blend them together. And so when I say the word cat, I might say, can you guess my word? A kid with dyslexia that has had no training is going to struggle with that process. And you can see then how that will play a part later on in their reading because that's the process we go through. We look at C, we say that this is going to make a K sound. We look at the A, we say this is going to make A, and we say see the T, this is going to make T, and we, we blend that together, right? Well, if you couldn't do it just listening to the sounds, and now you add on the second layer of seeing it visually, and maybe some of those letters and sounds are are moving on you or they you're not seeing them in order, it really makes the entire process a lot harder for them. So they do need a little bit more uh, phonics instruction, but they also need a really strong phonological and phonemic awareness program in place. And can they read then as well as someone who doesn't have that dyslexia? Yes. 
They sure can. They sure can. And it just takes a little bit more time for them to be able to learn. And I think that is the most hopeful thing ever is that, you know, will they be a slower reader? Probably, you know, does does every dyslexic get to the point where they, they read as fast as everybody? Probably not. Um, but they're able to read efficiently enough to go on to college, to get great careers, to um, continue to have amazing jobs. Should a parent who, the kid, the kid next door is two and a half and he's reading, uh, I'm just making something up, and, mm-hmm. and he's the same age as, as your, your child who's not reading, and uh, the parents are, are freaking out because he's reading, our son or daughter's not reading, uh, same age, um, should, should they be concerned? Did you say at the age of like two and a half? Or, or say, no, three and a half, four. Okay, three, yeah, three and a half, four. I would definitely say no. They haven't even entered school yet. So I would say that the basic things that your child at this point in time um, needs to be working on would be um, letter names and sounds. And so at this point in time, that your child's not behind if your child is not reading. You know, if your child is in first grade, second grade, and they're not reading, now there's a, now there's a gap. But if they say he doesn't know, like she does, he or she doesn't know the names of the letters or the sounds, I would then start with their name and say, well, can you recognize any of the letters in his name? Um, Because that's a starting point because they own those letters, right? They're theirs. They're their letters. And so they get really excited about those letters. And if they are able to recognize those letters, that's a jumping off point. And then you can go from there, introduce letters from other people in your family's names, right? Like this is mom's, this is mom's letter. This is a big M for mom. This is dad's letter. It's a big D for dad. <laughs> so I guess different people uh, learn to read at, at different, le- at different uh, durations in their life, different yes. stages. Yes. I mean, I've even had people who haven't been reading at all, all like in middle school and have still been able to help them become a reader. What you you taught elementary school when you were in in the classroom? I did. Yeah. So I taught in the third and the fourth grade classroom. What was it that um, disillusioned you with teaching in the classroom, wanting to to teach um, as a tutor? So when I was in the classroom, I actually had a I I had a transition uh, period. When I was in the classroom, I was also traveling around the world helping train people in our reading program, which was called the Success for All Reading Program. So I was training other teachers um, in that program along with teaching in the classroom, and I ended up becoming uh, pregnant. And after you know three years teaching in the classroom, uh, it was it was awesome. I loved it. Uh, but a lot of my time was spent with classroom management. And so when I left my classroom position, the principal offered me another position, which was the reading curriculum coordinator position. And so I was the person who was in charge of the entire reading program within our school. And I was in charge of training all of the teachers and helping them become better teachers. And unfortunately, I would walk into these classrooms and there were so many classroom behaviors going on that the teacher wasn't able to teach reading. And that was one of the biggest problems that I saw. So, you know, I've spent a lot of my time helping these teachers with managing their classroom. 
And again, I mentioned we had 70% of our kids not reading on grade level, right? A lot of it was because we had first year teachers walking into these classrooms and they, they don't have that knowledge of how do I run my classroom and teach reading at the same time. Um, it's, a, it's a big transition for them. So after five years of being in that position, I ended up getting ill and I ended up having to make a decision if I was going to come back the following year or stay home and take care of my health. And it came to the point where my kids were really little still at the time. And I'm like, you know what, I need to be a mom for them. So I was like, I'm going to figure out a way to work from home um, and see if, if I can I can do this, take care of my house, be a great mom to my kids. And and let's see where this will lead me. At that point, I didn't even know that I was going to become an online tutor. What was, was it difficult teaching teachers to teach? It, it was. <laughs> it was so hard. Um, I think one of the biggest things is when, when you're trying to teach teachers, they haven't necessarily accepted you yet as their teacher. Like it was a position that was kind of forced on them, right? So it's really hard to always balance the here's what's going really well in your classroom and, and here are the things that we need to work on. Um, so that piece of it was really, really hard. And then every time I would teach them something new and reading they'd be like, but Joanne, you don't understand. Like, I can't even get the kids to sit down. How am I supposed to do this? So I'd be like, well, let me come on in and I'll, I'll model a lesson for you so you can see both pieces in place. And, and this is where like that classroom management came in. Right. So I had to model the classroom management while teaching a reading lesson, but really the teacher was only getting out of it, the classroom management strategies, because they weren't in a place to really learn these different reading strategies that I was I was modeling for them so they weren't really getting really getting anything out of your uh, your lessons I hope so <laughs> I don't know I mean we were able to take when I started in the position that I was at only about 20 percent 15 to 20 percent of those kids were reading on grade level and I, we did raise it eventually to 30 percent so I do think that it did make an impact over time um but we also had a 50% turnover of teachers every single year. So the only teachers that we could personally hire in our school were first year teachers. A lot of teachers they didn't who had tons of experience, they didn't want to step into the inner city schools. They wanted to go more into the suburbs and, and teach out in those areas. And so it was really hard to get high quality teachers. Sometimes we even hired teachers that they didn't even have credentials. They had a degree in something and then they got hired and then they were also going to classes to become a teacher. So we didn't even have necessarily, you know, people who were even trained to be teachers coming into the classroom because there was such a huge need. What did, what did, can you say what an inner city it was? Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And you did traveling? Uh, where did you travel to and, and what did you do when you uh, were traveling? For the school system. Yeah, so I, I traveled to um, Pennsylvania, New York, uh, California, and we were part of what was a charter school called Edison Schools. And Edison Schools all used pretty much the same reading program, which was Success for All Reading. And because I had such a joy and a passion for teaching uh, the program, they asked me to represent our school and uh and pretty much like audition to see if Edison schools wanted to have me train other teachers. And I passed the audition. It was a very <laughs> weird experience for me, but I passed it. And then after a year of me doing it, 
for them, they had asked me to uh, also train the trainers. So it was a really cool experience to be part of both of those, those processes. And when you train the trainer, what did, what did you, uh, give me some of the techniques that you used. So when I would train the trainer, we would meet at a hotel and I would actually teach them the entire program that they were going to be teaching their, the teachers in their, their school. So there was a curriculum that we followed and we went through that entire process. Um, they even put in the jokes in there that I was supposed to say to them. Really? Um, (laughs) (laughs) did you use them? did you use the jokes? Some of them, some of them, some of them. Did they work? Um, really, it was it was it was about going through our entire reading program. It was almost like they were getting retrained in the reading program, learning how to train the the teachers in the reading program. And um, once they, uh, if they got accepted to become a trainer, then they would be passed on this binder that had all this information on how to train other trainers or train the the teachers. Was there something unusual or you know unusually good about the, uh, the the reading program that they came up with? You know, Unique? there were really great components to it, but our school actually ended up having a had someone at a university come in and take a look at what pieces of our program were missing for our students. And one of the things that they came up with is we didn't have a way to teach multisyllabic words to kids. And that's, you know, those really big words, they have more than one syllable inside of them. It's easy to teach one syllable words, right? Because they follow a pattern. But what do you do when you have a longer word? Like, um, I'm just thinking of like emergency, like how do you teach a kid how to read that word specifically, right? You have to break it up into its syllables, emergency. And so that program was really lacking in that piece of it. And so we started thinking of what are some different things that we can do to supplement our curriculum to make sure that we're hitting that aspect. Uh, There were some great components of the program, the fact that we were able to pull the kids on out um, into smaller groups and try to place them into groups that were at their reading level versus them having to read text that was um, too hard and really out of their ability to really access the information. And so that piece of it, I really liked. I liked being able to teach those those kids from that point. But uh, when it comes to kids that are struggling with reading, a whole class, whole group model, I have found as a tutor, (laughs) it's really hard to do. Working with kids one-on-one is so easy. That's why I love my job so much today. Cause I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I can take a look at a student right now. I can, I can test them, take one hour with them. And I know every area that I need to teach them where to start and where we need to go. And I love that. I love going through that process and being able to really nail it for them and make this an amazing, um, make reading an amazing experience for them. When you were teaching in, in Milwaukee, was um, did the k- kids read at home at all or, or not? or just No. There was very little reading that was happening at home. In fact, the kids didn't even have books in their homes. So we had um, special programs at our school that we had built knowing that our kids didn't have books at home to bring more books in. We had uh, one foundation called the Next Door Foundation. Um, that I would actually go to every single month and pick up books that I could just hand out to the kids so they had books in their home. We had another one. Um, it was uh, another program that our principal had signed up for. It was a grant. It was called Books for Kids. And what they ended up doing is 
uh, they had donations for us to actually buy brand new books that we'd be able to give to every single one of our students. And two times a year, they'd get to go to the library and they didn't have to just check out a book. They got to pick out a book and then take it home with them as well. So we're trying to help them build up a library of of books for them. And that was one of the strategies that um, we had we had tried on out. So and then we also created another while I was in the position as reading curriculum coordinator to um, have bags of books that they could check on out and bring home as well. And we tried, you know, we didn't make it a big deal if they didn't return, you know, the books because we knew, you know, sometimes kids aren't returning books because they don't have books. They lost them. They forgot them. And we didn't want to make them feel bad. We wanted them to check them out though. So that they felt responsible, but we didn't really harp on if they didn't bring them back. Was there any peer pressure to not read? In other words, that's a good question. Um, I did have at one point um, peer pressure on a little girl who was really smart in my class, and um, she stopped like answering questions in my class because um, I would praise her, and praise was not seen as a good thing, which was really hard for me to understand because I love praise. <laughs> So she was kind of being seen as a smart kid. And because of that, she was getting teased uh, for that. So I, I didn't hear anybody, you know, really teasing kids who could read or couldn't read. But, you know, it's a different situation when you're the teacher in the classroom versus a child in the classroom. As much as you want to think that you you know everything that's going on in the classroom and you can you can you think you know what the other kids are saying, um, kids can be mean sometimes and, and say things without the teacher even knowing. And is there any way to combat that? Or if you don't know, I guess you can't even combat it. I know. Right. I had one little girl who she ended up, um, her dad didn't tell me until the end of the school year that her daughter, his daughter was having, um, uh, having panic attacks during the school year. And they found out that she had an ulcer. And I was like, why didn't you tell me sooner? Cause like the end of the school year, I can't do anything. Right. And, um, he said that she was getting teased every single day by the kids and I never saw it happen. I never saw the other kids teasing her and she never complained about it. She complained about being sick and got sent to the nurse's office, but I never knew why she was getting sick. And her dad had mentioned that it was because the other kids were teasing her again. Like I had no idea that was even happening. So in spite of that, you enjoyed the classroom experience, but you, you left it because you wanted to try something else. Um, what, what, what overall was your impression of um, the ability to, to teach kids to read in an inner city? You know, I... You know, I, I, I became a third grade teacher just because that was the position that I, I had signed on up for. But reading became the passion because they were struggling so much and everything to get books in their hands and get them to love reading. It just came natural to me. It was just something like I loved reading um, and I just wanted to, you know, introduce these kids to the whole new world of reading that it opened up for me as soon as I could start understanding what reading was, I wanted to, to pass that joy and that love to them. I also knew how critical it is for, for kids because um, if, you, if you take a look at the statistics, 70% of the people that are in our jail systems struggle with reading. And if, if unlocking the door to reading and literacy 
can be a game changer for them, for that not to be their future. I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to make that happen for them. Did you see any aha moments in, in uh, when you were working in the classroom where you sort of a kid just learned how to read and, and really appreciated a, a particular book that they read? You know, it's funny that you, you ask that because when you're in the classroom, you kind of, when you have the whole entire class in front of you, you miss those aha moments as much as they happen one-on-one uh, -on -one with a tutoring. I get them like all the time when I'm tutoring with kids one-on-one -on -one, and I'm just like, wow, this kid has moved from here to here. Like, this is incredible. This is amazing. But in the classroom, it was a different experience because I, I had to teach the program that I was given lesson by lesson. You know, it was hard for me to see like, are they really making a lot of growth? Um, I had to do like a, ongoing assessments with them to see how they were doing. But those aha moments, they did come as frequently as you would expect. However, I did have one of my students reach on out to me 10 years later. And uh, she said, Mrs. Kaminsky, and, and she reached out to me on Facebook. She saw I was on Facebook and she's like, Mrs. Kaminsky, I just wanted to let you know what a big, huge role you played in my reading. And I was like, oh my gosh, I remember her. Like I, to the point where like, I looked at her picture and I couldn't remember her. I looked at her name. She was now married. And so I was like trying to place her and all of a sudden, everything about this little girl came alive for me. Mm. And I remember her being in my reading class and some of the other kids teased her a lot uh, because of the way that she she dressed and the way that she looked. And she said, one of the things that she had said to me was, you always made me feel loved. And she goes, and you instilled in me a love for reading. She goes, I remember wanting to go to your class more than anybody else's class that I had. She goes, she said, you made me feel so accepted. And I don't know if you knew that I was struggling with reading, but you really helped make it all click for me. And today I read all of the time and I just wanted to thank you for that. Well, that's what it's all about. Yeah, it is. But you don't know it. Like you don't get those kids do not give those kind of compliments to you no, no. <laughs> when they're in the midst of it. So for her to reach on out and say that was very impactful. Well, Joanne Kaminsky, we're going to take a break now. She's a reading specialist. Uh, we're going to talk about her, uh, her profession now uh, as a, a tutor online. Uh, it's time to take a break. This is The World of Work. I'm your host, Shep Cohen, and now this. Hi, I'm Darlene Love, and I'm listening to Shep Cohen. He's a rebel on WDVR-FM. God bless. Bye-bye. Tune in Friday nights from 7 to 10 p.m. and relive the big band years right here on WDVR. Hi, this is Gene. Tune in Fridays at 5 for two hours of energetic rock and pop that'll help you to remember what it felt like to really rock back in your hippie days. That's Anything Goes. Fridays, 5 to 7, only here on WDVR. Whether you find yourself in the kitchen cooking up breakfast, rebuilding an old carburetor in the garage, or hanging out in the milking parlor, tune in Saturdays 9 to noon with me, Mike Ain, on Down Home. If you remember and enjoy real country music from the 1950s, even the 30s and 40s, you'll enjoy classic country gold. We offer the best of classic country in western. Join me, Rich Evans, this Saturday at noon on 89.7 WDVR, Delaware Township. 
Hi, this is Scott Gallagher, your host for Soulful Sunday. Join me for three hours of soul, funk, and R&B, even a little disco, every Sunday from 1 to 4 on 89.7 WDVR. How does today's new music borrow and steal from the past? Find out on Beg, Borrow, and Steal, Sundays from 4 to 7 p.m. with your host, Carrie Ann, right here on WDVR. We plant the food We drive the cab we run the lab We build the bridges We fly the plane We do the work This is our day We do the work We do the work We do the work This is our day Sell the goods, yes we do. We lay the stone, we do the work. This is our home. We do the work. We do the work. Hi, I'm Darlene Love, and I'm listening to Shep Cohen. He's a rebel on WDVR FM. God bless. Bye bye. Tune in Friday nights from. And we do the work on WDVR, and this is Shep Cohen, and we're speaking this afternoon with Joanne Kaminsky, who is an online reading tutor and an online tutor business coach, and uh, we're talking about reading on our show today. When you left your job uh, in the school system and you went out on your own uh, and became a tutor eventually, uh, had you ever tutor? Did you know what to, uh, to expect? How did you? Yeah, I actually fell into tutoring, um, because somebody asked, it referred me before I had ever even asked for, you know, a student or anything. I had done a, um, student teaching kind of experience as I was getting my reading specialist degree and was helping a little girl, um, just kind of learned the beginning stages of reading. And her mom ended up referring me to a third grader who was struggling with reading. And third grade was kind of my jam. That's, I just, you know, had already taught third grade and fourth grade. So I began working with this little boy who they said that English was a second language, even though it wasn't. He was born here. His mom just happened to speak two languages, uh, but he was behind and he had to take the third grade reading test. And his his parents were looking for somebody that could help him be able to pass that test. So they they found me and reached out to me and I began helping um, him and he took the test and he passed the test. He got he got uh, a, a 
perfect score on it. So it was very exciting to take a kid like that that was really struggling and be able to help him. Um, and, and that was all before I had even left the school system that that had happened. But I had realized from that experience that if I were going to do this in the future, making house calls and doing in-person tutoring at the student's house was not a good uh, business plan because it takes a lot of time to plan for the session and then go to their house and then the parents want to chat how is my son doing how is he doing and that would be like a 20 to 30 minute conversation because you didn't want to be rude and then I would leave and I'd go home and you know two hours had passed from really what would have been a one-hour session right so I was like this wouldn't be a very good model if I were to make this part of you know something I did in the future so how many years ago was this Oh my gosh, I'd say 14 years ago. So how did you um, get on the internet? Well, I actually tried to start when I left the school system. I was going in and out of the hospital and was trying to take care of my health and started five businesses the year after I left the school system. I failed at every single one of them. I'm proud of it because I know that we, those that fail succeed the most. So bring it on if that's, if that's what it takes. So I actually leaving the school system, I really didn't know anything about running a business, right? Because I knew how to teach kids and I knew specifically how to teach them how to read, but I knew very little about this skill called running a business. (laughs) And so those five businesses taught me so many different aspects of the business, like how to market myself online, how to um, use social media, how to um, put systems into place that are going to help you reach the goals that you are looking to reach, how to collect payments, all those kinds of things I was learning in that year before I started tutoring. And when I launched my online tutoring program, I already had so so many great skills that I could draw upon to become successful pretty quickly in my first year. Just give me an example of one of the, the areas that you were trying to go into that you were unsuccessful at. Oh, I'd love to. <laughs> um, so I actually got sucked into this one company called uh, Polaris and it was a network marketing company. And I pretty much sold expensive vacations And I was sold on the fact that I only had to sell one of these and I would make like $10,000 from the exchange. And honestly, I had no sales skill underneath me to even know how to make this work. I had one person who ended up buying on in at $1,000 and and that was over like six months of trying. Um, I started selling Usborne books because I loved those books. So I had like house parties where I would go into different people's houses and <laughs> and uh, like show them these amazing books and all that great stuff. And um, I tried Etsy because I loved creating stuff. I, I love crocheting and doing that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, I could just sell my stuff on Etsy. I could, I could host, I could have like these, um, I could go to different, um, craft fairs and I could have a table set up and I could sell my stuff. Yeah, that did not work so well. <laughs> and then, then you, you finally got into to tutoring. Uh, how did yeah. you decide that that's what you were going to uh, work after? 
you know, it was like one of these epiphany moments I had. I was laying in bed and all of a sudden I was thinking about, you know, how I was using Skype at the time to work with, with like with some of these different businesses and how I had learned already how to use Skype. And I thought, hmm, could I teach kids to read over Skype? If I share my screen, could they see the words? And so all of a sudden I was on this, like this journey. I'm like, all right, talk to my husband. I'm like, let's set up a computer over there and a computer over here. I want to see what it looks like if I, if I'm on Skype and you're on Skype and can I share a book online and you can see it, can you actually read the words or is it like blurred and really tough to, to be able to read? And we looked at it and the clarity was, was really, really good. And so I started thinking, I'm like, you know, this could be it. I, I could be doing some tutoring online. And his, his suggestion was, well, why don't you just go work for one of those companies that already is established, you know, and, and you know, really get experience that way. And I, I went, I applied to one of those companies. Um, I won't say the name of the company, but I found out that they were only going to pay. Now, I have gone back. I got my, my, my reading specialist license. Yes. I had a master's. I had gone through, you know, obviously had graduated. I had how many years experience teaching in the classroom? So I had nine, 10 years of experience teaching in the classroom. They were going to pay me $15 an hour. Wow. And I just thought, oh, no. And they were charging each of their clients $50 an hour. But wait, here's the best part. They were giving me, they would have given me three students at a time, meaning they'd be making $150 and paying me $15 an hour. They wouldn't pay me more because I had more students in front of me. Oh, you're going to you're going to you're going to tutor three at once. And I would be tutoring three kids at once. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I have a feeling if I start at $40 an hour, I bet you I could get some people that would say yes. And so I talked to my sister-in-law and really I wanted to see, can I really do this thing online? So I approached her and she's like, you want to use my kid as a guinea pig? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I want to give your child an opportunity because you live in Illinois and I live in Wisconsin and there's no other way that I could help you. And will I be learning through the opportunity? Absolutely. But I don't see it that your child would be a guinea pig. And um, after that year, we ended up getting hip up on, on grade level and, um, and so it ended up being an amazing experience for me as an aunt, him as a nephew and a reader. And I began also getting clients throughout the year that were paying me the, the $40 an hour. And, and where'd they come um, from? How'd they know to go to you? You know, it wasn't an accident. That's for sure. I wish it were. <laughs> I wish it was just all referrals and that's how I could just start my business. But when I was part of that network marketing uh, group, um, I had learned all about search engine optimization. So I learned when you type something into Google, um, the words that people use, you can use in your content and you can use that to get found. So I began using everything that I learned about search engine optimization 
to be able to get clients. I also put up good old bandit signs, letting people know that I was tutoring. So I put up flyers anywhere that I could put up flyers. I put up these bandit signs on streets and um, so people could see what it was that I did. And I put them even close to schools so that, (laughs) you Uh know, my target market obviously would be near schools and they would be able to find me. I even put a big uh, decal on the back of my car that said, um, is your child struggling with reading? I can help. And it had my, my phone number and my website on there for them to, uh, to contact me. And I did, I had people who contacted me even inside of my own neighborhood at one point. I'm like, wow, I'm working with a lot of kids in my neighborhood. It's kind of weird. Like, and they're all online too. Like they, they're not asking to come to my house or anything. It's kind of cool. And I realized very soon, um, Joanne, you've got this big sign on the back of your car. Of course, they're contacting you um, in this way. And so I was a a constant reminder, just kind of going in and out of even just my neighborhood of what it is that I did. And it was really scary marketing in that way. It was kind of like guerrilla marketing, but I knew it was going to take time to really build up my presence online because that doesn't happen overnight. Um, But about four to six months after I got started, I started having people from Australia find me because of the content I was creating online and hire me for my services. I had somebody from the Dominican Republic who found me. Um, and this was all within my, my first year. And I just thought, Oh, how cool is, how cool is that? And I also volunteered my time. Um, there was this program called Skype in the classroom at the time. So I volunteered my time and I was a guest in other teachers classrooms and they would end up uh, publishing in their newsletter that they had a special guest and if the parents wanted to see you know the special guest of the week they could just click here and they would see me and you know they would learn that I was a reading tutor and that I could help if their child was struggling so I had some parents that reached out to me that way and throughout this entire time I was just building my online presence with using YouTube and videos and creating content, email list. Oh my gosh, the anything that I thought could work, I put into practice. So it did help you to have uh, not done very well for, for those first five jobs and uh, exactly. to work for someone else because you got some it, idea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, God had me exactly where I needed to be. He knew he knew that I was the type of person that wouldn't give up too, because it was like I was excited about each new endeavor that I would try. And it was okay that they that I kind of let them go and 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 didn't see them, you know, fully throughout for success. Because I there were so many things that I needed to learn, you know, and one of those things that I learned is if people aren't asking for a product or a service it's really going to be hard to sell it to them, right? You've got to create things based off of need. And I think this is where the whole idea of me kind of dropping, selling stuff on Etsy and my crocheting and that kind of stuff really came full circle. Cause it's like, okay, I can make a blanket and yeah, they're beautiful, but people don't really need that, especially at this price point, right? Because they are, um, they are, they are doing, um, they are. Oh, sorry, we had oh, our dogs. No, dog that's running. okay. <laughs> you, you you found an area where everyone needs to learn what you're yes. teaching. There was a huge need, and and, and a twenty percent of a population need, right? So, I mean that 
that's 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 always going to be something that's kind of there that there are going to be people that need somebody who can guide them in this process and again being kind of going through that and learning those things as I went um, I have people all the time ask me well do you think there's a need for this for tutoring do you think there's a need for that for tutoring and you know I'm able to look at it and give them an honest answer if people are looking for that in tutoring or or not but uh, I always say it doesn't hurt hurt to try um, because there's always going to be people that are out there that might be looking for that. But if you're ever looking for like one of the main areas that people are looking for tutoring, you know, here are the top five. Now you, you have a, you mentioned YouTube, you have a YouTube channel. I do. Yes. What, what does that mean? <laughs> so YouTube channel is where, uh, my YouTube channel today is different than how it got started, but I just started a basic YouTube channel where I was putting videos that I was creating that would give parents tips on how to become a better reader. And people would, because of the title that I would create based off of um, the search engine optimization I had learned from the other business, uh, I was able to take the keyword and put it inside of the title and in the description so that if somebody typed those keywords, they would find my video and, and the stuff that I was creating. So that was really helpful right out of the gate for people being able to, to find me. And today, I, my channel right now has, has had over 1.4 million views. Uh, we've got wow. over 6,500 subscribers. Um, I have now changed it to really have a focus because I would kind of put videos about anything in the beginning days. But about back in 2016, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make this channel be specifically to help tutors. And so that is what my YouTube channel is today. If people go and they visit it and you can find it at youtube.com slash Joanne Kaminsky. Do you do any writing also or? I do. So I'll write a blog, a blog posts and I've actually written a book called um, how to start an online tutoring business. And your blog post, um, how do you, how do you, do you mark, is do you market that as well or? How do you get people? So the to... blog post that I was writing, uh, I actually started writing a book in the early days for uh, reading and parents helping their own kids with reading. And then I ended up creating a book called How to Become a Better Reader. Uh, and it was based off of all the blog posts that I had created over the last year. And I put that together, compiled it, put together as a book for parents that would help them. And I would always let them know too, like, hey, I've written this book. So if you're ever interested in, in knowing what strategies I'm teaching or how you can help your own child at home, um, here's a 30-day challenge that you can do with your own child at home. And they would go off and some of them would do it. Some of them wouldn't. And that was okay uh, because they, they hired me for a specific job. And I was going to I was going to do that job no matter what. Are you still tutoring children uh, when, now that you're uh, coaching other tutors? I do. And I, you know, I've always gone back and forth. Do I, do I stop tutoring the kids in reading so I can help more tutors? Or do I always allot like a percentage of my time to help kids with reading? And it just hasn't been a part of me yet. I've been doing this now for 12 years online. It has not been a part of me yet to really want to give up helping kids with reading because it's easy for me and I love it. I, I absolutely love being able to turn that kid who couldn't read into a reader that there really isn't any better joy that I can 
imagine out there of doing that. And so um, I do still help. I have about 12 students right now that I am helping. And then the rest of my time I spend with helping tutors. And how did you develop that business? I understand how you developed the business of tutoring uh, children, but how did you become a coach or, or a helper for someone who has a desire to be a, a tutor themselves? So back in 2012, I had written the one book and I went to a conference on, you know, really how to get found for the books that you write. And they asked if anybody wanted to come up on stage. And so I like filled out this form to find out, like said, yeah, here's what I do. I'd love to come up on stage. And they put me in a hot seat on stage and I was talking to really prolific business owners about my tutoring business. And they looked at me and they're like, oh, my gosh, like with that model you have right now, you're always going to have to work, you know, trading your time for money. You know, is there anything else that you could do? And I thought, you know, I've always wanted to help other tutors, but I wanted to make sure that I was successful before I did that. And they said, that's where you'll be able to make a lot more money. And so from there, while I had that inspiration before to do that, having them tell me that was like, okay, I need to start doing this. And so that's when I, I wrote my very first book to help tutors um, with their business. It was like job security for life and teaching, how to become an online tutor. And, um, and from there, it was, I, I just started slowly growing my audience of, of helping other tutors and just putting out really great content for them to be able to, you know, put into place with their own tutoring business. And it grew into me having memberships and um, different courses and classes to guide them and doing one-on-one -on -one, um, coaching with them as well. And now I have a team of, of coaches that, that help with helping out other tutors and it's absolutely a phenomenal place. And what I love is the community that we've created because when we decide to go into tutoring online, it can be a really lonely business. You know, you don't have that opportunity to talk with colleagues like you once used to, if you were in another job and you were going in person here, you start tutoring online, you get to see your students on, on camera, but you don't really get to connect with other adults and all of that kind of stuff. So we've built an amazing community to help people walk through this journey of how to start their own online tutoring business um, and feel supported every step of the way. So you help people who are not just uh, tutors for reading. Uh, if someone wants to be a math right. tutor, you'll give them skills in the business of tutoring. Yeah. So what we do is we we assume that because you want to teach math or because you want to teach, let's say, the ACT or the SAT, that you have the skills already to be able to do that. And your passion is coming because you already have had success in that area. The thing that you really struggle with, I find, is the business stuff, right? Like nobody really needed to tell me how to teach reading when I started this whole entire process because I already had those skills. The thing that I didn't know was how do I make this a, a successful business and, and make sure that it's something that's sustainable? And I didn't have those pieces in place. And I needed to, it would have been great to have somebody guide me. I, would have, I wouldn't have had to wait until, you know, 365 days to, you know, it took me between one and two years to really 
build it to be completely book solid, I would have been able to have quicker success had I had somebody who could have guided me step by step. And I couldn't find anybody like that in the beginning. So I decided that, well, then I'm going to provide that. That's what I'm going to do. How did you assemble your team? Over time, they had all been people that had gone through my program and experienced success. And, you know, there were different things that I saw that they were really good at. Um, One of my coaches, Suzanne Davis, really became, she's a, she's an academic writing uh, tutor and she became the blogging coach. So she's really great at teaching other uh, tutors how to start their own blog to be able to get found. Um, I have another person, she's really good at Instagram. And so I call her my Instagram queen. So I kind of find, you know, what are their strengths that they already have? Like they're going on out and finding their, their training to get better at this skill or that skill. Could they bring that on in and begin to motivate and help other tutors do that? And that's what they do. So I have somebody who's really great at helping people with tech if they get stuck. I have uh, one that helps with blogging, one who helps with if you want to be able to create videos. How do you how do you create the video? How do you create these thumbnails? How do you create the content? How do you decide what you're going to write? Um, they help in all of those different aspects. For example, you mentioned the the blogger. Um, what 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 attracts someone? What what does she uh, tell you will attract someone to her to you know, your blog or her blog? Well, definitely images and a great title. So it all starts with how do you hook that reader in? And so creating sometimes uh, she'll share her different blog posts on on platforms like Pinterest, right? And Pinterest is a very visual place. And so she's able to create an image that hooks somebody in to want to read more about her post. Uh, Another thing that really works well when it comes to blogging is having a lot of white space. So if you write the way you would write a book and you write in large paragraphs, it's really hard to read online. So you have to make sure that you're using headings, images, infographics, uh, all these different things, video inside of your blog post so that uh, your reader can easily go from like one section to the next section and stay to the end of the post. We have about three minutes left. There's one question I have to ask you. Um, how do you keep uh, a third grader's attention online for an hour? They're one-on-one with me. And so, you know, just like we're online right now and we're having a conversation, yes. really no different than having a third grade in front of you. So what they're doing is they're reading the words that I put up. If I put them up one by one, they're there. Like they're just engaged. They're they're reading that word, right? Or if I put a book in front of them, they're reading that book and I am coaching them through any of the, the things that are difficult for them. So if they struggle on a word, I'm coaching them through how to fix that word. So it's very easy to keep their attention. I, I very rarely have any issues with uh, not keeping their attention the entire time because they are being engaged the entire time. You know, they're not just sitting there and listening to me talk or teach like a, a, a classroom teacher would. They're the ones that are actually doing all the work while we're together. Joanne Kaminsky, what's the future of online tutoring? It is only going to grow bigger from here, I have to tell you. I mean, the pandemic showed that for sure, that it's it opened the doors to people's eyes that 
it can be done. And, and there is a difference between virtual um, education and one-on-one tutoring. You know, virtual education is where the kids are, you know, coming to the screen and their classroom teacher is talking to them. They're not very engaged in the entire process. They might not even have their camera on, but one-on-one tutoring is so completely different because we have the opportunity to engage with our students um, right from the get-go. And they they don't they all of a sudden they're an hour goes by and they're like wait a minute we're already done like yeah yeah we're already done I'll see you next week well we're we're already done uh, I know any closing remarks how can someone get to you yeah if anybody is interested in in learning more about online tutoring I have a free gift you just have to go to online tutorcoach dot com uh, forward slash fifty and you'll learn 50, 50 ways. 50 plus ways to get online tutoring students. And if you are interested in taking a look at my book, you can go to onlinetutorcoach.com forward slash book hyphen purchase. Well, Joanne Kaminsky, thank you for being with us. It flew by. The hour really flew by and we learned a lot and good luck to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. It was great. Until next week, this is the world of work. I'm your host, Chef Cohen. And Joanne Kaminsky, thank you again for being with us. And coming up next is Gene with Anything Goes. Did you know that the online tutoring industry is a $1 billion industry? And that it is projected to grow to $112 billion over the next five years, according to Technavio. Now, I believe that to succeed in this business as individual tutors, we need to stand together and unite which is why I have created the largest community of online tutors helping each other on Facebook. I'd like to invite you to join our free group, the ultimate support group for online tutors. I want to help you get found, hired, and referred so that you don't have to compete with other tutors, but instead can collaborate and grow so that you can help students all over the world and have the freedom and flexibility to allow you to do what you love. In fact, I want you to feel amazing every time you have a light bulb moment with your students. I want you to have so many light bulb moments that you light up an entire city. All you need to do is go to Facebook, type in Ultimate Support Group for Online Tutors, and hit join. What are you waiting for? Join today.